Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you done yet? We gotta start the show. Hey Bruins fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 157, sponsored by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag, use code CLNS50 after you sign up for your free uh, account. Get get a nice sweet little bonus added to your uh, first deposit. Go check them out, they do a fantastic job. We are recording on December 8, 2019. Shout out to my wife Courtney. Happy anniversary, babe. Um, joining me in studio, as always, is my dear friend and co-host, Heather Ingerson. Heather, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good. Good. A little stressful. Yeah. Stressful to begin, it's everything. Sweet. It's all fine, Technology. All technology fine. strikes again, as everybody yeah. knows. It's, it's never uh, our friend sometimes, but... He's really trying, I promise you. Really many, trying. many deep breaths. I got a pink yeah. Whitney over here, yeah, a big, need, big old jug of it. So good, can, it's fine. How can, can it go through. wrong? You get to talk about hockey. Once you start doing that, you'll be fine. You'll I be know. Fine. I'll stop breathing again. Yeah. But we are back. We have a ton of um, topics we got to talk about. We're going to talk about last week's action, the upcoming schedule, and, and a list of uh, topic agendas we're going to go through. But let's just start off with last week's games as we normally do. The Boston Bruins played four games last week. They were on a four-game homestand, uh, starting off on Sunday, December 1st, against the hated Montreal Canadiens. Boo! Big boo for them, but a big yay for us, because we rock and we're the best. So on and we Dece- hate Montreal. <laughs> and we hate Montreal, yes. Uh, but anyway, on December 1st, 2019, the Boston Bruins beat the... Montreal Canadiens by the score of three to one. Um, the scoring in the game, starting in the first period, with the Montreal Canadiens getting on the board on a goal from Joe Armia. Um, there were no goals in the second period, but the Bruins came back and uh, got on board to uh, end the game with the uh, three to one victory. Uh, th- that third period we talked about had three goal scorers in it. 
highlighted by David Pasternak's 25th from Bjork and Carlo at the 5.16 mark of the third to tie the game at one. David Backus, welcome back, sir. He gets his first of the season. Monkey off his back from Krejci and Grizzlick at the 10.29 mark of the third period on the power play, giving the Boston Bruins a 2-1 lead. And to end the game's scoring for the Bees, the Jake DeBrusque gets his six from Charlie Coyle at the 13-27 mark of the third period, giving the Boston Bruins a 3-2-1 victory. So, Heather, um, how did everybody else do besides the goal scorers in this game? Uh, it was a pretty good game. I mean, obviously it wasn't a on Monday we crushed them kind of thing. I mean, Montreal bounced back a little bit. It, wasn't as clean as sometimes I wanted, but whatever. We came back and we beat Montreal, which made me happy. So. Exactly. That's all I care. We spent a little bit of time in the box. Uh, this was the game that things started popping off at center. Everyone started getting a little pushy at each other, which is all right every now and then for me. No one got hurt. No one, no one went away for five minutes. Everyone just got a couple minutes. So it was good tension, like a rival game should be, you know? popping off but I don't know thought they played all right how'd you feel I felt good uh goaltending yeah the well we did all right on that end I obviously held in a thing uh Tuka saw 29 shot attempts but he stopped him he had a good he had 966 for a save percentage and you know he always struggles against uh Montreal, so, you know, well, the, you know, everyone has to bring up, he's had struggles against Montreal, I should say. Yeah. Frame it the right way, I don't want to explain the pace. Like, <laughs> so he said it, yeah, no, I'm a Tuca supporter, so, you know, but he does sometimes, Montreal gets in his head, and so it was nice, he got another win, and beat Montreal, and had good, solid numbers, like he should, because the last couple of weeks, the goalies have, like, been really on, or really being shelled, so, overall, I thought a good game, you know, win. Divisional win, yep. beat Montreal, who I hate with a passion. Like, right now I feel sick just having to talk about them, so <laughs> we could move on. We are. We are going to move on. We're going to move on to December 3rd, 2019, still at the TD Garden for the Boston Bruins versus the Carolina Hurricanes. No scoring in the first period, no scoring in the second period, and then the Bruins again come with the late surge. We'll talk about that later on. Um, but in the third period, Charlie Coyle scores his sixth goal from Marshan and Heinen at the 15-55 mark of the third period, giving the Boston Bruins a one nothing lead. David Krejci, he's on a rampage with the points, uh, playing very well since his return, as we've said many times in the past. Uh, gets his sixth goal from McAvoy and Pasternak at the 17-03 mark to seal the deal for the Boston Bruins and uh, Tukara, I mean... Yaroslav Halak gets the shutout. Mm-hmm. Big game. Yaro shutout. That was his 49th career, wasn't it? Yeah, he's got one more, and it was his 500th game. So we'll talk about that a little bit later, too. Yep. But but overall, solid game uh, for the Bees. Again, I don't like it taking so long, though, to get going, because Carolina could have had this game if they wanted to at a couple points. Seems yeah. to be the theme. And we're, like I said, we're going to talk about it later, about the the urgency to, to get off the uh to get started quickly and and not fight back from desperation when you're when you're down or not even down but you know in, in this particular game it took the third period for them to wake up mm. um but the i mean 
they they outshot the Carolina Hurricanes by 10, 34-24. Uh, the three sides of the game was Halak, Coyle, and Krejci, obviously. So, good game uh, for the Bees. Continuing the home cooking, you know, which is good. I mean, the the uh, the home games this season just been incredible. Absolutely incredible. We're so used to them playing better on the road. I think we're all in shell shock that it's going this well. True. It's, not the, it's just kind of historically we play better away. Thursday night, December 5th, the Boston Bruins host the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, and, and again, it's, it's, we're just going to be repeating ourselves, it seems like, for the past couple weeks, the way these games are going. Um, in the first period, the Chicago Blackhawks get a 2 to nothing lead. No scoring in the second. Chicago gets on the board in the, in the third period to give them a 3 nothing head start. And then it's fighting from desperation. Once again, the Boston Bruins come back with three straight goals. Uh, jo- Joachim Nordstrom scores his third from Bacchus and McAvoy at the 149 mark of the third, giving the Boston Bruins, giving the Chicago Blackhawks a 3-1 to lead. Chris Wagner scores his second from Corrali and Grizzlick. This is on the shorthanded goal at 15.01 of the third. Oh, it's nice to score shorthanded. Yes, I love shorthanded goals. Uh, it's giving the Chicago Blackhawks a 3-2 lead. And at the end, fangirl. Oh, I was like, where's, where's my boy? There's my boy. Yeah, boy! <laughs> Tory Krug gets his fourth of the season from Jake DeBrusque at the 17-27 mark of the third, giving the Boston Bruins and Chicago Blackhawks a tie. And in overtime, unfortunately, Jonathan Taves ends the uh, the game at the 54-second mark of the overtime, giving the uh, the the Chicago Blackhawks the 4-3 win. But the Boston Bruins continue to not have a loss in regulation at home mm-hmm. at this particular time. Right. Which pe- people have been saying, oh, not a big deal. Yeah, it, it, it kind of is still a big deal because it's hard to not. It's hard to not lose in regulation. 60 minutes is a long time, so it's nice. It is some kind of streak. It's not, yeah, obviously you're not undefeated at home, but no one's saying you are. You're undefeated in regulation, which does count. But at least it was quick and painful. This game was not pretty. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I didn't think this was Tuka Rass particularly great game either. Mm -mm. Uh, Humble some numbers on him. Yeah, let me see. I'm slacking a little bit. Uh, Give me a second. So he had... 31 shots on him, and he had an 871, so that is not good at all. Percentage-wise, obviously gave up four. Uh, particularly concerning 54 seconds into overtime, especially after the Tory Crew goal, which right. kind of energized everyone was, pa- you know, and uh, I hate overtime. You hate overtime. We all hate overtime, but when you're losing that badly to a team that you should not be losing to like that. Agreed. I know, but it was. We were, like, standing there, wrapping up at work. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, where is my boy? I'm like, there he is. And they went sliding through to the left. And beautiful goal. And then, of course, in 54 seconds. So I'm not blaming Tuca. I'm just saying, like, that just shows we've had some defensive issues out on the ice this week. uh, Especially at the end of the week. But this is also the game um, John Moore went five for fighting with Zach Smith with the matching penalty in the third. Over um, some touching of the past hour. Which yeah. we'll talk about later on, I'm sure. But I was looking the thing, but 
yeah, overall. And can I just say, David Backus, having a good week. Nice to have you back. All of the Backus haters, take that. He's had a few points, more than some of the young kids that everybody loves so much. Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the end, the end of the week, which was last night on December 7th, 2019, the Colorado Avalanche come to Boston, a place that they've won in regulation um, since... Uh, March 30th, two, uh, 1998, the Boston Bruins, yeah, the Boston Bruins have not won a home game against the Colorado Avalanche since 1998 in regulation. All right, to be fair, we only play them once or twice a year, and we used to not play them every year. So. I know, I know, I get it, but... It, Remember it's... we almost died trying to get to a Colorado Avalanche yeah, game in a blizzard one year? So. Yeah, yeah, that's when we must have beat them at home because yeah, was probably the them. last time we went. Oh my god, <laughs> we were in the building for the last one. <laughs> Go ahead. That's crazy. Huh. Um, but anyway, the the Colorado Avalanche come in and 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 this 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 streak continues for them. This unbelievable streak, um, and they, they come in and win four to one. Um, Chris Wagner gets the uh, the game started with his third, and and he has now points in the last two games uh gets his third from Moore and Bjork at the 13-14 mark of the first period give the bees a one nothing lead Colorado quickly ties that up three minutes later uh Valerie Nishushkin gets his fourth um and second period Ian Cole at the 9-17 mark of the second period gives the Colorado Avalanche a two to one lead and Andre Burakovsky gets his 12th from McKinnon and Donskoy um, at the 18-21 mark of the second period. Give the Colorado Avalanche a 3-1 lead. And finally, the uh, Colorado goal scoring ends in the third period with Gabriel Landestog. Um, scores his fifth from Belmar at the 1957 mark of the third. Give the Colorado Avalanche a 4-1 victory. Um, not... Not a a good team effort at all, in my opinion, uh, in front of the home crowd, but... In front of the goaltender. Yeah, in front of the goaltender. I mean, the, the defense was absolutely horrid. Uh, yeah, they were all, all a bunch of negatives. I know not every... Like, look, I don't have time for Corsi in my life, but <laughs> I do think if you don't watch a game and you look at the plus-minus, which I know doesn't really count for anything anymore, but if you just want a quick overall of how your defense did on the ice, look at how many negative one and twos is there and... Then that explains why you lost four to one. I'm just there was there was one goal that I I want to give and, and it's totally on Yaro Halak when mm -hmm. he when I believe it was the Ber, uh, Berkowski goal when he was coming down the left side and just ripped one right by. Mm -hmm. There was that was not a screen that I mean it went over his glove. No excuses there, but anything else uh, that went in, I kind of I want to give blame to the guys in front that they. The, the missed coverage, the missed assignments, and and flat out getting outskated uh, last Honestly, night. Honestly, Charlie McAvoy was one of the problems last night. I don't want to call him out specifically. We'll, we'll call him out you later. You weren't the only one. I'm just saying, just for example, for as many minutes, and I get that, the more minutes you play and whatever else, but yeah, I'm just, it, our defense was not okay at all last night. Let's go down the list, shall we? Brandon Carlo, negative one. Oh, sorry, Chara was even on that. We got Grizzlick, negative two. Tori Krug was a negative one. Eh, 
keep going. Where else do we have? We got more. No, more had one, but he also had, you know, he was one of the only people involved in any kind of offense. So he's been doing good since he got back. I don't even know who else was back there. Matt Greslick. I can't read down the list that fast. But it was not very good at all. Yarrow did not even see a lot of shots, I think is what upset me. He only had 19 shots on him. And he made 16 saves. That's sad. Yeah. Um, 8.42. I'm sorry. I just, I'm just like thinking about how, actually, I'm actually more mad about the Chicago game because I thought they played actually worse in the Chicago game than they did last night. But still at this point, we still have a 24-6 and six record. We still have 46 points. We're still top in the Atlantic. We're still second in the conference. We're still second in the league. Still doing awesome at home. Yeah. Yeah. Our away record's pretty good, 8-3-1, and one, which is good because we're going on a f road trip, right? Sure, we're on a two-game losing streak, but overall, in the last 10 games, we're 8-1-1, one, and one, so... And earning in points. Yeah. But unfortunately, last night's uh, game against the Colorado Avalanche snapped a 13-game point streak, and, um, and the first regulation loss at TD Garden, but... We move on. I mean, it, there's, there's a whole lot of games coming up that they, they still have to win. Um, we still have 50-something games left this time. Oh, yeah. But we do have to play better than what we played that back end of this week because we should have never played like that versus Chicago. And I definitely think that last night the defense definitely helped let the goaltender down a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's one thing if you can't help, but if you are also contributing to situations in which your goaltender even needs the help, that's not good either. Right. Again, I'm not, I always feel like I don't want to bash them. I love you guys, but jeez, that Chicago game made me want to take my eyes out of my head. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but before we talk about the, um, the upcoming schedule, I want to tell you about our show sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Um, hockey season, football season, and basketball seasons are, are in full swing. Get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners, betonline.ag. Sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit to start betting college or professional ball. Every spread, every total, every winner or loser. Straight bet, parlay, tease, tease your way through the season. You can even bet on wild proposition bets. Who will make the college football playoff? Who will win the NFL MVP? Get the fastest to market odds, updates, and payouts with our new sportsbook partners, betonline.ag. Head over to betonline today on your mobile device to join and use promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% bonus, a 50% welcome bonus, sorry. Go to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So, we're going on a road trip, baby. Yeah, we're going to go on a road trip. After having four games at home last week, we're going to have four games on the road this week. So starting off tomorrow night, which is Monday, December 9th, the Boston Bruins are in Ottawa at 7.30 to play the Senators. At the can uh, Canadian Tire Center. Canadian Tire Center, exactly. Remember when things used to be named after people in cities? Now they're named after whatever buys the bill. Right. <laughs> Canadian Tire <laughs> Center. Whoever fixes my flat. All right, sorry, not to interrupt you. I was just looking at no my paper. And... Um, then the, it's, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that every, every game is going to be an easy one, but I would hope 
that the Ottawa game is, is going to be a little bit better for the Boston Bruins after, obviously, the Colorado Avalanche game on, last night. Hopefully, but we've had a, we played Ottawa twice and we've beat them twice, but it hasn't been spectacular because even our 5-2 to two win was like, that was the third period, ripping open again kind of win, but Late Ottawa's 7-5-0 and oh at home, so that's not too bad, but they're, yeah, we should, like, let's not have a Chicago Blackhawks repeat happen because Ottawa could win. Um, and, the, uh, yes, in Ottawa, did you say this already? What? The uh, Ottawa Senators, they are 7-5-0 and at home. Yeah, that's what I was... Okay. Uh, and they are... And you said the last 10, right? Yeah. 4-6-0. and Sorry. I'm yeah, just... they're 4-6-0. and Sorry, I didn't mean to mess you up. No, no I'm just... My eyes are going... They're 7th seven in the Atlantic, they're 14th in the Conference, and they're 28th in the League. So we should be able to beat the Ottawa Senators, but then again, I didn't think we were going to lose to the... I thought we might lose to the Colorado Avalanche... But I never thought we were going to lose to the Blackhawks, yeah. even though I jokingly said, although Patrick Kane turns out, no, it's that pesky John Lattes that's still hanging around too down there. Uh, yeah, but Ottawa, we played them twice, but we beat them, so that's good. But they played 30 games. They're 12-17-1, so they're like kind of middle of the pack like everyone else, even though they're bad. You know, they're end of the road bad, but... Yeah, bad. third to last in the Eastern Conference right now. When you look at the... The uh, whole wildcard scenario, um, and but but a team that's leading the way, I believe, in the league and the Eastern Conference, it, uh, the the Boston Bruins are playing uh, on Wednesday night, uh, December 11th at 7 p.m. in Washington. Not sure what that arena is called. That is Capital One Center. Capital One, what a shocker! Capitals. Yeah. Uh, yep. But uh, Washington has a very very uh, good record after 31 games. They are 22, 4, and 5. 49 points. They are 8-2-4 and four at home and they are currently on a six-game winning streak and 8-1-1 one, and one in the last 10. Yeah, they're number one in all the things. They're top of the division, conference, Every league. category. Yeah. That's alright because I don't want the President's Trophy anyways. You can have it. <laughs> right. But and then this is a back-to-back -back scenario, so... These... Oh, sorry. The Caps, we lost to them in a shootout in the middle of the month. I just wanted to remind everybody. Okay. We have seen them. We played them in Boston. We lost 3-2, to two, so yay. So um, the, the um, Boston Bruins go on a back-to-back -back situation. On December 12th, they play the Tampa Bay Lightning down at St. Petersburg Times. Did I get that right? I think it's the Mali Arena. That's what it is. Oh, I was they, like, where do they even play? Ah, I thought it was. It used to be a St. Petersburg's time, but anyway, they play the the fourteen ten and three thirty one point Tampa Bay Lightning. They are five four and one in the last ten, and seven five and one at home. So hopefully the Bruins take advantage of that with their home record being just a little over five hundred. Um, Another and this is the first game that we've seen Tampa Bay. No, we lost oh. four to three in a shootout. Shocker! Earlier. That was one of our first home games. We came home and played Tampa Bay. Okay. Uh, so, but yeah, shocker. Once <laughs> you get out of the thing, but um, hey, Tampa Bay is not having a season anything close to last year. Never mind that. Just even generally what is expected of them, but. Yeah, they got a lot of time. On Thursday, players. they could decide that's a day, though, they're going to play like they should. I mean, they're like an all-star cast. Like a team like Tampa Bay, they come in and you're like, wow. 
Yeah. Look at all these really shiny, awesome toys. <laughs> what, two? Is that it? You got anything else? No, that's all I have. You, you know, right. it's Tampa Bay. Watch them. They're sixth in the Atlantic, 11th in the East, 22 in the league. That's why I was thinking, what's going on with Tampa still? Are we in denial? We are at American Thanksgiving after that's all true. of that. That is true. But it, even though American Thanksgiving, we're, we're looking like we're in the playoffs. Yeah. Ah. But to end the week, uh, the upcoming week, schedule the 14th of December, the Boston Bruins are in my Sunrise, Florida to play the Florida Panthers at 7 p.m. Uh, Florida, after 28 games, they have a 14-9-5 record with 33 points. Sitting second right behind the Boston Bruins in the Atlantic. They are 8-4-2 at home and uh currently on a five in the last 10 games a five five and oh and won the last game so anything could change between that now on sunday december 8th and the 14th between that another game. team that we lost to and that was the really ugly game where we were winning four to nothing and then they decided to win the game oh yeah that was a disgusting game can we not do that again boys if any of you are listening so pass it along yeah, that, Denmark say, that would no. be nice. That would be nice. But that's that's it for the schedule that's coming up for the Boston Bruins. Yeah, uh, like tough I said, back this, to back. Yeah, this this back to backs. Um, and then the, the, after this, the month pretty much gets spread out a little bit. So I mean, we'll definitely get into it next week and how everything is going to look. Um, but that'll do it. So. We have some topics that we're going to discuss right now. Um, we might as well jump into it because normally we do about a half hour discussion on the last week's games and the upcoming schedule. But we have a little, we have about six minutes, so we'll jump right into a topic before we take our first break. Um, Patrice Bergeron timeline. Um, hearing reports that he has been in uh, practice wearing the red no contact jersey, um, off and on with the lower body. Obviously, the groin is still bothering him. But Bruce Cassidy uh, did come out this week and did kind of speculate that they're looking at, they're looking at, it's not definite, but they're looking at Monday, uh, Monday's game against the Ottawa Senators as a, as a focal point for his return. Mm -hmm. um, is, what, do, what do you think about this and the way he is right now and what he's going through? Do, do, you, do you think he needs more time or do we, do we need him back in this lineup? I think we need him back in the I think we need him back in the lineup. I think it's starting to show um, all, all the extra shifts everyone's been doing and things like that is all starting to add up, I think. And, I mean, I again, I still hold our trainers aren't going to let him on the ice. Our doctors aren't going to let him be on the ice if he's not ready to at least go. And I think Ottawa's a good game for him to try that against and see what happens. Uh, I mean... I just, it'll be probably be a way more intense game when you see Washington, know what I mean? So why don't we ease them in, see what happens, you can kind of, you can still give people heavy other, you know, heavy other shifts or whatever and maybe baby him a little bit, leave him maybe on the second line, you know, you don't have, you know, just leave Krejci where he is and put him on the second line, uh, but... I do think we need Bergeron. I think it's starting to show not having him. Not that I think we haven't played well without him there, but let's face it, he is... For a long time, he was our only superstar on this team. You know, yeah. I guess. To, yeah. He's he's one Bruin, even though everyone else hates our team that goes. But I love Patrice Bergeron because he's Bergeron, and they need him. I think the boys need him, you know. 
I think the lineup needs a little more sustainability with him in there, and it doesn't it doesn't allow. I'm not saying it allows Bruce Cassidy to do anything, but when he's not there, the shuffle goes on, and it, and it and we'll talk about it later on. But sometimes it it, it stresses some fans out about where p- players go and who they're playing with, and who should you not break up and who you should break up. So it's just. It's a, it's a, it's it's unfortunate that you lose a superstar like this for a long period of time or a short period of time. It doesn't matter. Uh, his value to me on the lineup is 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 very strong. But it's that nagging injury that keeps coming up that I'm always thinking, why not just rest him? So regardless of 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 what happens and the speculation about Bergeron coming back in on Monday, December 9th against the Ottawa Senators. Um, I mean, we'll just see what happens. I mean, he, his value is very high on this team, and I get it, but I also do want to see him recover and not be rushed back into something that's going to put him, set him back even further. And again, I'm not even sure if this if this type of injury, you can, like, rest for a long period of time due to the fact is that it's a nagging injury that keeps coming back year to year. Hmm. So we'll see what happens. Um, but we are going to take our first break, okay. and uh, we'll be right back with some more topics. We got we got some uh, some other stuff going on, so um, hang in, hang tight with us, folks. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a ninety percent rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Hey, everyone's fans, we are back for episode 157 after the short break. Uh, great folks at College Hockey Inc. Check them out. Check out that podcast. They do a great job. This is the mid of the college hockey season so lots of good stuff coming from Nate Ewell and Brett Schlossman so give them a shout out at College Hockey Inc on Twitter. Um, jumping back into the topics this this was one from uh, a Twitter follower uh, that I kind of reached out I was up at 5:30 this morning trying to get some some topics together for episode 157 and um, uh, one Twitter follower came back and says McAvoy's struggles at both ends of the ice are concerned and I wanted to go off on that. I'm not going. I just wanted to, you know, go on that and and discuss it because it has been noticed that Charlie's not the same person as he was last season. And I don't know if that's because of another year under his belt, uh, whether he's getting too comfortable. Some people say you shouldn't have paid him the money because he's not worth it. Um, I disagree with that one completely because you don't know your full potential in any player until he's too young to yeah. decide that. So he's, I mean, definitely a work in progress. I wouldn't give up on him right now, but there are signs of struggle. Mm-hmm. And when you when you watch the games, Heather, where do you see Mac struggling? Well, I think he's continuing to not necessarily be so offensively. Uh, commanding but for me I guess the bigger concerns are some of the decision making I see on the back end because fundamentally he is a a defenseman and he's good at being a defensive defenseman and like last night's game in Chicago like it was 
not we all have bad moments you know they all have bad moments everyone can make be messy but a couple games in a row I saw not only Charlie McAvoy not being as effective as he should be at least as his primary duty I saw him actually creating situations that were making it worse and that's that's concerning to me you know because he is a smart player you know and he doesn't see those are the like little mistakes you little and big mistakes that say you might not feel so if like Connor Clifton was doing it or something or you know whatever but like this is why you came from the podium in kid you know what I mean because you are a smart player and you are a big strong defenseman yeah I mean obviously he's young I mean he's not the same as a 30 year old defense you know but I, I think that's the most concerning to me is seeing some of the decision making he's making in the back end I don't really know why that is maybe he's not ready for the kind of responsibility they're trying to give him or expect of him back there maybe he's not quite ready uh, I do think he's in his own head a little bit, you know, or maybe he's trying to compensate. I don't know, like, because it happens a lot with players, like, when they get money, sometimes they get in their own head and it's like, I have to produce, I have to produce, I got the money, I have to produce, and that actually creates a situation where they kind of mess themselves up. No, I just go with their flow. I agree. And I believe that Charlie McAvoy is a tremendous offensive defenseman. Got a, got a boatload of speed. He can truck players through the uh, defensive neutral zone and offensive zone. But my thing is, this year I've noticed that he's pinching in offensively a little too early, which creates um, opportunities for the opposing uh, team to come back this way uh, after a bad giveaway. Yeah. And he's he's defensive. He's out of position defensively. Yeah. Uh, which uh, turns into a 2-1-1 one, one, or sometimes even a breakaway. And partly, too, because he's not, you know, like Grizz and Krug, like, they're fast, so they can almost compensate sometimes when people get behind them. They might be able to still cut the angle, and it's not his fault. It's just he's a bigger, you know, I'm not saying he's not a good skater or that he's slow, but that's part of it. Like you said, they're, you're, like, out of your position, and you've created a situation where your best strength has been cut off, so you can't do anything to, you know, I don't know. I don't want to like. I feel bad like hating. I'm like, we're not hating on him. It's, no, I guess we're no, just trying to figure out what exactly is there going on. There are cause for concerns when you see him play lately, especially yeah. this year. It's 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 good to have him back on the ice, but it's also almost feels like he's still in preseason mode. Which I know a couple of podcasts ago I mentioned that he looks to be in midseason form, but it, it's kind of like a roller coaster ride with him this season that he has his good games and he has his bad very bad games i think he's struggling a little with reconciling okay so you want me to be more aggressive offensively right because everyone's like oh he's not shooting enough and you know whatever it could just be like age and he's still trying to work out maybe a little bit how he can be like more aggressive offensively but still fundamentally stick to his solid solid defensive like mind and roots and use it that way do you right. know what i mean yeah i do I like do. and i and it could be that too just like he can't quite figure out how to be both like he should be like and he's at, at that stage as a defenseman is where you're like rounding out what you're doing and it maybe that's what he needs help with maybe it's not so much how to shoot or when does you you know whatever but more just like this is how you meld your all your best points together to help compensate for like say maybe you're not as quick because you're a bigger dude or whatever kind of thing that that's just to me I just feel like a lot of it is in his head especially this week with some of the defensive decisions he was making 
it just kind of threw me off because that's not him, like, fundamentally as a player. Yep. And, and like I said, I, I mean, I like his offensive capabilities. I like the way he uh, grabbed the puck last night and went through the zone. Even even powered through to the net to get around the net to, 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 to look it for a pass. Um, I, I'm not sure if he was successful or not. But th- those are the types of things that I thought I'd see him do. But, but be defensive-minded and be prepared to go back and... and um, get back into your spot before something drastically happens. But even if you look at his number on ice, though, right? He's, I mean, he's playing twenty. Like Thursday, he played twenty three and a half, or almost. That, is that his average? Minutes. No, this was just like the time on ice for the specific game. I don't. I didn't write down the averages. I didn't write down the Montreal game, but I mean, he's he hasn't been overwhelmed. I wouldn't say on ice time or anything like that. He, he played twenty one forty. On Tuesday, I think that's pretty average. Yeah, that's pretty average for him. If Z's not out, or they're not, you know, I mean, for we've had a lot of five on five. There hasn't been a lot of penalties this week right. with like you know being on special teams and anyways. Um, yeah, that's what that's part of what I'm thinking. Yeah, twenty one. It's not like he's overwhelmed. He's not one of the people picking up the extra shifts because Bargeron's not on the ice. You True. Know? So I don't know. Um, I'm sure he's going to be okay, but I definitely that's not helping with the Bergeron being out at all you know what i mean we need you to be stronger decision making when you're in that neutral zone when you're deciding how far to be out where to set up so that you can optimally get back because i mean you can give up anybody's gonna let it out of the zone you know there that's the whole goal but anyways that's the mcavoy i guess yeah Uh, i don't know i guess we're still on mcavoy watch because now i'm concerned about his defensive prowess all right, so let's move on to the next topic, mm-hmm. the uh, Yaroslav Alak's future. Um, this is this is an interesting interesting one uh, for me because there's so many multiple factors that you have to consider when when you when you come to the table with with a discussion like this. And I might not have all the answers because um, not completely fully prepared, but the salary cap. He, I think he's going to want. A raise. Yeah. I, I think that um, the way it, the Bruce Cassidy, head coach Bruce Cassidy, talks about him as being the one B and a starting goaltender and this and that, and the way he's played, his play dictates what he's going to garner for a salary in the off season if he's not signed or retained this year. Um, but if he does get more money, uh, if he does want to test the free agent market. And see what he can get, and then come back to the Bruins and say, "I'll sign with you." There has to be a Plan B, and I think that Plan B has already been in place um, with the addition, uh, the one-year signing of free agent Max Legacy, who was playing down in Providence. Um, I think that's the ace in the hole uh, for Don Sweeney. I think that his um, the, his uh, his signing brought on a backup plan. For uh, the Boston Bruins and and Legacy, who who has a six eight and something record uh, in sixteen professional games, with uh, all with the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, a sub par, uh, I think a three eighty six goals against average and a a point eight six eight save percentage in, in his NHL career. Um, obviously, has not played very well at the NHL level. But when you're considering it's a backup position, uh, I really don't think that that's a big deal. I I don't know. But 
I think a lot of other things are going to have to come into Volve too. You're going to have to lock up Grizzly. You're going to have to lock up Krug. You you have some signings that you're going to have to brusque. We talk about this all the time, and where does this fit in, and how? Where's the importance of retaining him, and for how long? You know, I, I think he's a great goaltender. He's done a great job in his in his two seasons here with Boston, and and if he takes the cap friendly deal like so many other Bruins have to win here, then great. But if he wants to walk, and 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 the Bruins don't see it, I I just there's a trade ship right there too. You know what I mean? Yeah, I. I don't think it's, I think a trade isn't really a realistic option with that whole thing. I, I don't really know enough about Max Legacy or Legacy or however you say it. Is it well, his, he was, he's an undrafted free agent. He, like I do know, I, I mean, I looked him up when we got yeah. acquired. Him, undrafted, um, went to the uh, Dallas Stars organization as an undrafted goaltender, played, worked the r ranks up through there in the minor system, never played pro for Dallas. Um, then signed a free agent deal with with the Vegas Golden Knights yeah, when they no, first came like into that. the league. Yeah. Played for the Chicago Wolves. Had a decent season there. One decent season there, but just a, a, just a basic journeyman. But this this particular season with Providence, I don't know if it's if it's if it's the uh, the committee in front of him that's making him better, which is probably it. But he's he's come into his own really. The guy's got an 11-2-2 two two record. He's got four shutouts, um, and he's, he's been outstanding. I mean, this guy has literally put the, the Providence Bruins, the top minor pro affiliate of the Boston Bruins, on his shoulders when he's in net. And, uh, and that's no slouch to Dan Vladar either, who just came back from an injury and has played and, and won the last two games. But when, when you're talking about the crease, uh, I'm, I'm a Max Agassi fan. I interviewed him. Uh, he's such a nice guy, uh, and and even had a great interview on the Something Brewing in Providence podcast. Um, I thought that that was a fantastic job by Gary and Steve. Those guys do a a wonderful job covering the Providence Bruins on the regular. So, um, I, I don't know. I guess my question for you would be, as obviously like goaltending, I don't know him as well, but I guess my question would be. A couple, because it's never simple, right? <laughs> Number one, is this guy for a plan B? Do you feel confident if Tuca takes a major injury and he has to be our starting goaltender for two weeks that we might come out of that relatively unscathed? That's the only option I can see right now because I don't see, I don't see a fit for uh, Kyle, Kyle Kaiser or Dan Vladar. Um, I think they're too young to play... The backup role; those guys need to be playing in games constantly so for the for development. So Leg Legacy Legacy again, I don't know. Really it's one of the ones. It's one of the two. It's one of the two. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's Legacy, my friend. But I say Legacy because he's French. He's from yeah. Quebec. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm sure he'll let you know someday. <clears throat> but I, so for you, it's more just because he's more experienced. He's he, been around. He does have the NHL experience, 16 games. Yeah. While the they're not really. They don't. You know, so there's that. Um, I don't. I don't really see that. At least for the rest of this season, I Halak is going to be here through. We're gonna. They're going to ride these goaltenders out. It makes sense, even for the two point whatever. Like is a steal. Yes, Halak is going to want a little uh, raise, but sure. 
look at Chris Wagner just took a hundred thousand dollar raise. You know, so you don't you don't know. I guess that also I'm sure the goaltenders amongst themselves will be talking because Tuke's almost done on his contract. You know what I mean? He's got one more year, I believe. Yeah, so, I don't have the cap friendly, um, but I could pull it up. They may. I don't know. I mean, no one's going to be as good in this tandem with Tuca. I only say that because we haven't had anyone. Gr- I mean, we've had a few. I mean, I'm not, like, knocking Hudobin Chad or anybody jo- Chad else. Johnson was actually the only, the, the best option that they had for a backup, mm. and they let him walk because he wanted more money. Yeah. And he went to the Islanders and got paid, and then his career Well, just... here's a tip. I think Yaroslav Halak is a way better goaltender than Chad Johnson ever dreamed of being. So that's, uh, that's just my take on it. So, I mean, I personally would rather, if possible, even Tuka if it costs one, a little One more, more full season. I know this is hard for me to say because, obviously, my dream of dreams is to re-sign Tory Krug, but if Yarrow is willing to not take that much of a bump, right, say he's cool with all right fine you know what why don't you give me two nine okay that's not that much right you have cap coming off with some people's contracts and stuff like that right on that have just been kind of sitting there and floating i would rather re-sign halak to one year and see how Tuka's is going to play out and then decide where we're going it gives all them i mean all of the younger ones another Time. year to see yep. what it looks no, like no i agree uh is was Maxime's contract a one or two year? It was a one year deal, two way contract. Yeah, okay. I so he's I able to come up without the. Um, um, that would be my my thought on it, just because they are so good working in tandem to not. Ru- and then see from there what's going to happen with Tuca. Tuca might say, all right, well, I'm going to take my seven mil and I'm going to raise you three. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right. Um, I don't know. It depends on who signs and what the comparables are during that time. But uh, yeah, that would be ideal. But I mean, not gonna stay around forever, and um, I would rather try and keep Halak though. I don't. I don't. It's not. I'm for one more year. One more year. Yeah, but if you can't keep Halak, then I'm gonna trust that you think maybe signing this guy for another year and pull him up to be the backup will be trustworthy. Yeah, I mean he's playing well, and it is the AHL level. I know the AHL NHL is totally different. I get it, but the the. The signs are there that he could be a suitable backup. Now, the thing that worries me about that is how much confidence will the Boston Bruins management and coaching staff have in him to try to regulate Tuka Rask games. You know what I mean? This guy doesn't have much experience, not as much as a Yaroslav Halak, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're going to want to go back to putting Tuka in for 65 games for a season? Yeah. I don't think so. And Yarrow's a special case backup, too, because he 1A, won. 1A, 1B. Well, and he was a starting goaltender. Yep. So not a lot of goaltenders spend their whole life being the backup goaltender unless something tragic happens. You know what I mean? That's true. Uh, so Yarrow has a, a unique perspective that he's he's played both. That's why he can load manage the way he does. You know what I mean? Back in back when he was a starting goaltender, goalies were still starting regularly 65-70 games, which doesn't happen anymore. But, I mean, I guess you could trust. I guess maybe I should watch this guy a little bit more. I do need to watch more Providence Bruins. You should. Have a hard enough time fitting in the regular Bruins at this point in my life. So, all right, what's going on next? What's up next? All right, so before we take our, our second break of the show, let's talk about the uh, David Pasternak taking liberties from opposing teams. Some advocate the need for toughness. Um, if I know he's he's getting he's getting it from players. Players are literally going after him and taking the opportunities to to hit him and make it known. Um, and a lot of people believe 
And I believe that somebody's got to be there to stick up for them. But I think that should be done internally. I don't think that's some, but something that they would ultimately go out and throw a seventh round pick for and acquire a tough guy that's going to get minute, uh, limited minutes. I don't want that role back on this team anymore. We need players like Zdeno Chara who can throw the gloves down. Um, uh, Richie could possibly be that type of person, although he's been in and out of the lineup with injury plus that infection that keeps going on. We'll talk about that later. But something's got to happen, and, and I know I know writers uh, like Jimmy Murphy have been saying that you know every time he gets hit, nothing's being done afterwards. What are your thoughts on on this, and and what can be done to to save the franchise player, the guy that's like going to possibly get fifty or sixty goals this year? Okay, so I've been thinking about this, and I had said to you one of the things I was thinking about is how like John Moore's been back, and he. Um has been kind of serving i don't i'm kind of at a weird place right because i am someone that thinks that fighting or whatever or like the tough guy not like the goon kind of of old or right. whatever but like a sean like we had sean thornton right not a sean avery but a sean thornton the kind of guy that he's just a great he's like an old hockey player and but plays the game right like doesn't necessarily not we need tough guys, but we don't need tough guys that are pulling the bullshit like with all the cross-checking and everything else, excuse my language, and stuff like that's been going on. And I do think that uh, there are only two very smaller referees on the ice with these giant men moving really fast. And I do think it, a little policing within reason, obviously no intent to injure and that kind of stuff. But I think if you don't have a player or two on each team that kind of when um, the officials can't keep things in check... I think the boys have the right to protect their own, right? So for me, on the Bruins particularly, I think this is kind of a catch-22, right? Because we are kind of the big bad Bruins. They get punched, but we tend to get in the penalty box because we're not, like, you can be tough and smart and letting people know you're there without physically dropping the gloves or do whatever. So that overall, I think we, like, for our team, so to speak, like, that's what you're supposed to be doing, McAvoy, right? And Chara, I mean, it says something. When Chara's 42 and he's still, like, the one player in the NHL no one else wants to play against because he's big and giant and he doesn't care if he's 42, like, if he has to get involved. So I think some of the younger kids, though, they weren't raised kind of where that was acceptable in play because, the, again, this is the generation of the uh, change in the American development system and things like that. Sure. So. It's kind of like needs to circle back around and decide. Yes, player safety is the most important thing. But at the same time, if a player gets injured because everyone keeps effing with him, then wouldn't it be actually safer to let one or two players, I'm not talking cross, you know, like we don't need the Matt Cooks of the world kind of thing, you know, yeah. or obviously I, I don't really want to talk about older, tougher guys because that was kind of just the world they lived in. But yeah. the world we live in, and I, I think I said to you, this got me thinking like, I do think the NHL needs enforcers on their team. But what does a modern enforcer look like? What is in today's NHL, right? Because it's not 1970, 80, 90, even 10 years ago, right? But what does what would the modern enforcer look like that can, yes, I agree, someone should knock somebody on their ass if they're going to keep doing that to pass it, if no one's going to get called or anything like that, especially for particular, I mean, whatever, kid players will swipe at each other. But oh, like, yeah. you know, right. things that clearly should be a penalty and that they're clearly taking liberties. If you're not going to stop it, John Moore's going to have to. Or, you know, like, again, Brett Ritchie on the on the opposite side. Like, he's a pretty tough 
you know, cookie. Like, he's... I guess not a lot of the players still have it in them that they want to be the guy. You know what I mean? I don't know. Where before it would be like, you messed with my friend. Like, you right. don't want to... I, hate I just him. don't think like, that John Moore w was the right decision. Now, listen. Here we go. I'm just going to backtrack here. Go ahead. John Moore... Got just got back from a, a significant shoulder injury. Yeah, I get that. And uh, I don't think that he was the right person to go after him. But I do give him a ton of credit for being that type of person to say, "Hey, that's not allowed," uh, and and our team's getting tired of it. So, but I also and I don't know because I don't have the information in front of me. But I also would love to know who else was on the ice during that time. That could have gone in there and done that instead of John Moore. So who could have been protecting both of their teammates by not making? I think though for John Moore, like that is like that's why we got him, right? He's a def he's a defenseman who's prime, like he's good in his zone and he does what he does, and he also is probably old enough that that's also part of what you do. You again, you don't have to yep. drop the gloves, but like yep. if someone goes after your player, you know, hit them like you're bigger Absolutely. and stronger kind of thing. Uh, I agree with you though that. No one else, I, I again, I don't know who was on the ice, but yeah, like no one else could have done that to do that. But I, all day long, he's a grown man and he, someone had to protect his teammate. And you know what? Some of the shit laid off a little bit once five minutes was taken on both sides for, you know, whatever. So that's yep. just me. Um, so, but what do you think? Like, can you be tough, like, without having to be the, like, goon or the enforcer yeah. of oh, I, be like, I believe that there's so many players out there in the NHL even some not maybe not so much on the Boston Bruins anymore but that can put the puck in the net skate very well and have great attributes that can still throw the throw the gloves down in a in a in a, in a moment of you know backing up your your teammate so like you're still hockey players but <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't see the need to go out and like you know give up some seventh round pick for well, there's a no guy. players though that's my thing though is that everyone keeps saying that but there's no players that are really like that anymore those players aren't drafted those players aren't brought into the league really anymore those are the ones that are around are probably a little older and are phasing out or they're ones that just they're suspended all the time because they won't let right. things go right, right. like because there is a difference between some of the shit we've been seeing and like brad marchand being disgusting and licking people kind of thing like yeah. you know what i mean like so uh that's just me though i think that Everybody, like, you should always stay, stay, you know, I've danced or whatever, or played soccer or whatever, and, like, you, you, in work, in life, right, you might not always like the people on your team or whatever, but they're your teammates, and you're all got the same goal, yeah, and the, exactly. one of the goals should be, and especially, I'd say, like, with the Bruins, like, they are a team that is, a like, a brotherhood, right, I mean, I don't, they're all brothers, right, I mean, I know that's, like, kind of the hockey motto, but... Like, again, like you said, if you've seen footage of this team, they really are like a traveling band oh, of like... Such family. Yeah. So I, I think that all teams should have somebody. You know, and that, to be said, should stand up for anybody. And it's not just the star players. It's about standing up for the little guy on your team. And it's about standing up for your goaltender. Like, sure. you know what? I'll take you two minutes in the box. You know what I mean? And easy for us to say because we have pretty good special teams. But, um, you know, but if someone's going to be up in our goaltender's face... Not that our goaltenders can't handle themselves, because they can, but, you know, I don't know. That's just everyone. But past it, yeah, but at the same time, if you're going to be one of the superstars, it's going it, to... It's coming. Our players would do the same thing. Yeah. You think Milan Lucic back in the day wasn't targeting the number uh, one right. scorer on the team and go... Yeah, like, that's the way it is. But again, the Milan Lucic's of the world's 
role has fallen out. So yep. anybody got any interesting ideas, feel free to email yeah, me no and shit. tell me what you think the modern enforcer should look like. Yeah, they shouldn't me. because we should all do yoga and talk about our feelings. <laughs> that's Sorry. The, that's the new NHL. <laughs> all right. Um, before we go on, before we go on to last second break of the show uh, on episode one fifty seven of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, I um, we have about six minutes, so I wanted to talk about uh, Bruins prospect Jakub Lauko uh, last night uh, in a game against the Utica Comets at the Dunk in Providence, Rhode Island. The uh, young forward who was selected in the third round of 2018, I believe. Um, it was a kind of a weird collision because he was the one that was doing the hitting. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what happened because the AHL TV at the Providence uh, at the dunk is not very clear. Um, I'll show you when we take the break. Yeah. But um, it's not very clear. But I saw him go in, do the hit, and all of a sudden I saw him stand there and then collapse. He collapsed to the ice and didn't move. The stretcher came out um, and took him off the ice, um, which I thought was just the... Pretty immediately, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he wasn't moving at all. And, and I mean, the train, the, the Providence Bruins trainer, I wish I knew his name, came right off the bench. And it happened right at the bench between the, between the doors, yeah. which I thought that he was trying to go in for a shift and just got hit. Yeah. But when you look at it and you go over and over again and actually... Uh, at Bruins Network on Twitter, uh, tweeted out the video of it, so you can go there and look if, you, if you'd like and follow um, follow him at Bruins Network. He's a fantastic, fantastic uh, guy to talk about prospects. But he, it looks like he took the action, and then all of a sudden, bam, he's just down on the ice, and the stretcher came out. They wheeled him off. He did give a thumbs up to the crowd, which I have confirmation from the guys from the Something Bruin in Providence uh, podcast. But I reached out today to a source in the uh, organization, and they confirmed to me that he was taken off the ice in precautionary for precautionary reasons, but was seen later on walking throughout the the uh, the dunk outside of the uh, the locker room. So he was taken off the ice in a stretcher from uh, EMS, but was never transported to a local hospital, which is a good sign. Well, he probably went on. Like, they probably just drove him over. If he could move on his own, maybe he just didn't come on. Right. So, uh, the confirmation came back this morning after from my close source, and they said that he has a concussion. So, it's the concussion thing is kind of weird because it's just the way he did it. And, and a lot of people are uh, speculating that it could have been a heart problem or some kind of internal problem with him because he did stay up for a little bit and then went right down. And not get take the hit and then automatically just go, you know, cover your head. Does he have heart? I don't know. I, I don't know his history at all. But, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, something's going to... Speculation can always happen no matter what. But, um, obviously, our thoughts are with him. Yes. Uh, I watched the game last night. I covered it. Uh, uh, Carrie Young, uh, blackandgoldhockey.com writer. And she covers the Providence Bruins as a credentialed writer. Uh, she got the press passes and so on down there. So she was there and said the same thing. It was very weird that he just stood up and then went right down. So obviously uh, we, we want to think about him. But um, it kind of sucks because, it, I mean, this stuff happens and it's inevitable. It really is. The game's a fast sport. It is what it is. But it just kind of, I feel bad for the kid because he was just two days away from going back home to his native Czech Republic 
to join his uh, his under 20 team for the World Juniors that are happening in a couple weeks. So I hopefully this this um, air quote concussion um, thing injury injury whatever, whatever is not going to hold him back from participating in that because Mark Diver, a former uh, Providence Journal um, writer and now works for the NHL and USCHO.com mentioned that uh, Jakob, when, when he was asked about the World Juniors, the smile was from ear to ear. He just can't wait to go back and, and play in this tournament. So hopefully this is something that didn't hold him back from that. Stay tuned for an update on that. But you know how I feel. I always love when they get to go represent their teams in international tournaments like <clears throat> the Olympics. Yeah, no, I, the I agree. 20s, which I think is funny. They let the other kids go. But, all right, we will take a uh, another break. We're going to hear from the great people at the store next door. Please go to thestorenextdoor.ca. It's Christmas time, holiday time, folks. These guys make great stuff using hockey sticks. They make furniture and so on. So check them out. We'll be right back. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. And we take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. And we are back. We just heard from the great folks at the store next door. They're uh, doing a great thing up in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. For, um, uh, unbelievable stuff with hockey sticks like I, I mentioned before uh, go check them out please you know the holidays are here so buy some buy some cool stuff from these people they do a great job in there um, you know definitely definitely worth it so store the store next door .ca. go check them out anyway um, coming back the the struggles this season um, and even though that the team has has trucked on um, and won games by late game heroics, they're not playing 60 minutes and so on. Um, Bergeron out of the lineup, yada yada yada. There's so many things that you can pinpoint. When you look at the team and you say this guy's not doing that, that guy's doing that, but when and I'm not I'm not trashing any anybody on the bench on the staff or anything like that but something did come up in a twitter conversation with a friend of mine and and he said well when is the coach liable for all this stuff and how he doesn't really um he's you know very displeasured with the fact is that cassidy's putting this person with that person and mismatching the lines mm. is there any validity to that 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 Maybe, maybe if he didn't split everything up and just stick with a plan, even though you're missing somebody, a key part actually, that you just you stay with Marshan, Pasternak, 
You stay with your second line. You stay with your third line and your fourth line. I like consistency. I think people play better when they know what they're playing with. You, uh, you know, you kind of, it's like at work. If you have the one job, right, and there's two of you doing the job, you work out amongst yourselves how to get the end product done. And I think that's a lot like team sports, right? Where you all have a role to play and you, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to play different roles or with different people to complete your role. But I do think there's something to be said about leaving just be, there might need to be a little bit of tweaking because one part's out, but continuously changing the parts, trying to figure out what's going on. I don't like that either. Uh, I especially don't like, uh, I think we talked about this before about, I feel like Cassidy, sometimes he's doing that for no reason whatsoever. Like, why are you doing that? You're not necessarily getting more product out of them. It's not necessarily, sometimes you got to change it up, right? To make something happen. And sometimes you're just changing it up, guessing what's going to happen or something. And that, that annoys me. I, I do think there's something to be said about, like we talked about, like, that's fine. It doesn't matter who, Bergeron or Krejci, but you leave Marshawn and Pasternak together. Now it's not about which wing needs to move up and down. It's about which center needs to move up and down, right? You know, you don't want to, I don't know. I, I just don't think, like, you know, like Coyle, putting Coyle on the right line. I, I, right, right side. side. No. I don't understand why the right line. I hate that. He's on the right line. I'm talking about the right side. Uh, like, I don't, I don't understand the need to do that when there are other people who can do those, you know, right. primary those rules, especially when it's filling in for an injury. Now, if it's going horrifically bad, then, yeah, maybe you got to shake it up. But I don't think you should just always be shaking it up. At some point, you're going to pour the drink and let it settle. And it can't settle if it's always moving. I'm for consistency myself. I will agree with you on that. And you know, if, if it works, don't fix. Don't. I mean, if it's if it's working, don't fix it. Yeah. Oh, whatever. However you it said that. Don't fix yeah, it. exactly. I just I got tongue tied there. But I also see times that this team needs a spark. And when you need, and if if the coach needs a spark, he's gonna have to do something to find that. And if 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 mismatching the lines and putting players where they normally don't play and to see if they can create something I'm all for it but it's something I wouldn't do all the time like I don't feel like that's what's the purpose of all this is though like if I felt like that's what I don't see the spark I still see my team even if they're playing well not playing 60 minutes struggling to get it off until it's probably around the 35 minute mark and then start stepping it you know or you know I don't know Every year the Bruins are a 40-minute team. You just don't know which 40 minutes, and I disagree. I don't think it's how you start, it's how you finish. And I'd like to see it not finish so late into the third period every day. Like, you know, because there's a lot of games we could have just out and out lost, you know? No, I agree. I mean, there's been a few that I said, I think of that Florida game was one when I said, I wouldn't give us the pity point because that is not okay at all, you know? Uh, But I, again, if it was something that I thought, any coach. I don't it's not just Cassidy, but Cassidy is someone who tends to like move around. If I saw the spark happening, I would be like, Okay, that makes sense. But I feel like it's not. It's just keeping everything from settling. Like even if you're gonna have someone in there long term, you know, like Connor Clifton played the playoffs, but if he's was expected to fill in for Miller and Moore for all these months, like maybe just leave him alone or right. whatever. I'm just using him as an example because you know, Defense is easier to deal with. There's too much going on on our top end, coming in and out, moving around. But I, I just don't... 
even just little things like, okay, if Brett Ritchie's been all right playing on the second line with David with Jake DeBrusque, and obviously it was Krejci, but whatever, who there then why does he now need to be, just leave him on the second line with the right. Like, it's not the ideal, but if it's sort of working, you know, there's a little chemistry happening, leave it there. But I do agree with you. I mean, there are times where it's like, Jesus Christ, someone change it up. But right. I don't feel like he's doing that for that reason. I feel like he, and I get as a coach, he's trying to figure out how to work it out. But like, isn't that why you have practice? Like, do you have to do it in game? Isn't that, yeah, I know. you can F around with things. Because the other thing that, I don't get that coaches do is like they'll practice certain lines one way in practice but then not have those lines be together in the game I know well then what was the point of that 45 minutes to just like I, I don't know that's just me so sorry to make a long a short answer long but. no I just I wanted to bring it up I wanted to hear your opinion on it um, I do think the coach always bears some of the blame right yeah because it's not just only from this particular friend that I had this conversation with last night on Twitter it was it's it's coming from a multitude of people on social media. They're just saying some some of them just don't like Cassie. Period. They don't like the way you operate. But some of them have a more realistic mind and just say, "Listen, you know, well, if Bjork is a good player, how come he's not playing on the top six, but he's playing on the bottom, you know, the bottom six? I don't know. I'm a little confused with some people's ice times a little bit. Yeah. Um. Especially scenes like Bergeron. People who carry heavy minutes have been out. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm not talking about just like Brett Ritchie, obviously. You know, but he, he just came back and maybe you're not trying to give him some of the well, extra love. a long-time player that's been healthy this season is Charlie Coyle. I remember him playing uh, probably seven minutes in a period, the first yeah. period. And then got one, one minute and 30 in the second period. Yeah. And then eight, nine minutes in the third. I and didn't understand that. It's a little confusing to me, too, when we haven't been necessarily on the PK or the power play or whatever that you would expect that people's minutes differential would change a lot. Uh, but, okay, so that's why you asked me, because I am someone who's not fundamentally a Cassidy geek, but I am reasonable <laughs> about good coaching. I get you. That's See how I it. snuck that in yeah, there? Yeah, so, no, I mean, I do think he has some of it to blame, uh, but I don't, I, I don't think it's like the, oh my God, you're about to get your ass fired like it's New Jersey or something, or several other places in the last few weeks. Uh, but I do think that reflect on, sometimes you got to reflect as a coach to go, okay, well, I've changed it all around. Nothing's happening. Okay, what do I need? I need Patrice Bergeron is what I need. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's not uniform. He's, I mean, I think Cassidy's doing the best with what he has, but I think that, like I said to you, for all that he likes the young players or whatever, I sometimes feel like he, too, doesn't trust the young players either. Like, do you know what I mean? Kind of right, thing. Like, right. it's not that. I mean, just experience. But I do think just let it settle down a little bit. You know what I mean? Because everything's always changing. Why can't we keep it kind of stable when we can? And that's not a Cassidy thing. That's a Boston Bruins, like, 10-year scheme going on at this point. True that. Um, moving on to the next topic. Um, the Brett Ritchie returns to the Bruins lineup against the Avs. And I want to backtrack here just a little bit, going back to the Pasternak talk and, and the liberties taking upon him um, and targeting of uh, star players in that conversation. Now, the reason why I wanted to bring this up is, is it's good to see Brett Ritchie uh, come back from injury. Always always hope the best from those guys to continue their career and so on. He plays hard minutes when, he, when he's involved. Um, uh, not very offensive and so on, but he wasn't brought here to do that. He was just brought here to be the type of person that 
can skate hard, give a big body check when needed. I get it. One-year deal, cheap money. Um, but is is Brett Ritchie the type of player that could be that David Backus of last season to take Bruce Cassidy out for a beer and say, what's my role here? And then when that's done, is is this Brett Ritchie character, guy character, is he going to be the type of person to be a different role model and say, now I'm going to go out there and if anybody hits anybody on my team, I'm going to take liberties on them. Do you see him playing that type of role? I don't... Kind of an open-ended question, isn't it? I. It's more of like, even though he has a little of that in his play, I don't think that's like fundamentally his, his style yeah. of play, you know? So right. he might... I mean, obviously, he's just an example. I get what you're saying. Because he has, since he showed up, he's shown he is you know, willing to kind of get in someone's face or whatever you have to. Um, I don't think in his particular game that's really part of his game. Uh, he's more of a, I guess, like we were saying with John Moore, like he can go there. He doesn't usually, that's not his primary kind of skill set. But um, I don't think we have anybody, like, I guess this goes back to what we were saying before. I don't think that you necessarily have to have someone who's going to hit everything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but if you have a player that won't stay off your player and they're not getting called, that particular player, that day's number might be up. But I don't think it should be like, oh, because so-and-so is targeting Pasternak. We're playing Toronto. Or so-and-so is targeting Pasternak. Now try to take out Matthews because Pasternak. Like that, I don't like that kind of tit-for-tat. Right. I like, I like an eye for an eye. Like, you're, you know, kind yep. of as opposed yep. to... Because to me, that's how things get dangerous when you start, you know, that's how the one-on-one -on -one outside the bar turns into four people in the back of a cruiser and two people on the way to the hospital. Yeah. You know, like I don't... If somebody gets a steel toe yeah. in the mouth. Uh, but for Richie himself, I think that that's not really his fundamental game, but I'm glad he's willing to do it. I'd like to see more people be willing to, again, not as a all the time, not a just in an instigator kind of way, but just in a, you know, like, back off guy, <laughs> like, you know. Right. That's just me. Um, moving on to another topic that uh, seems to be gaining some traction is the uh, the trade uh, trade rumors, um, but more or less it's not even a trade rumor. It is a fact that that the Boston Bruins have people in their organization out and about doing some scouting uh, reports from uh, I think it was Elliot Friedman mentioned that uh, Jamie Langenbrunner, he's the director of player development, um, was out in L.A. scouting, or out in the Bay Area, per se, uh, scouting some talent out there. Um, so, which ultimately speculates that Tyler Toffoli was being looked at, um, maybe possibly from the L.A. Kings, Tyler Toffoli, uh, possibly looking at Ricard Raquel. He plays on the left side. I'm not sure if he's got the versatility to play on the on the right right wing. I could be wrong on that. But another name that came up is uh, Andre Kosh. Uh, he plays right wing for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, that that could be somebody they look at. I don't know a ton about the, the this person or Raquel, but it just seems to be making traction on social media. But my thing about this whole thing is is they are trying to address the right-wing side, and they have been for a couple of years now, and it, it just seems to be an ongoing thing. Um, and when you're doing that, you send out 
all hands on deck. If if I was the the general manager of the Boston Bruins, I would have the goddamn janitor out in Dallas scouting somebody if needed, or the guy that's slinging beers at the at the at the uh, concession out there scouting somebody. Uh, somebody came at me and said that. Uh, they're not out there looking at players for trade. They're looking at prospects because why would you send Jamie Langenbrun? And I said, well, Jamie Langenbrun has played a pretty decent career in the NHL. Uh, I, I'd have him out there scouting. Uh, he'd have a better, um, you know, or a decent opinion about that. And they're not just out there looking at one particular area. There's scouts all over the place trying to address this ongoing need. So my thing is, do they address, do you think they will address the right wing need on David Krejci's side before the trade deadline? Or is it another year that we think that they're going to do it during the offseason? I think, I've been thinking about this a lot. Alright, so what, obvi the obvious answer is they're all looking for a right wing, right? Sure. But that could be nothing that they're thinking of. They could be looking at nothing but just looking, right? Because I've been trying to figure out if I'm Don Sweeney, right? And I've now we're we're right to the point where he's got his little rebuild and everything. You know, the man with the five year plan, right? And it's all panning out, right? Where, right? What what is he seeing that he doesn't have that he wants, right? What I'm afraid of is like again, I like Tyler to fully just fine or whatever, but. What do you give up for that, right? What do you... What would we... We don't really have anything to give up that we want to give up at this current point either. You know, like... To get in a big name right wing, you're going to have to give up somebody. We don't have enough prospects in the world to guarantee return to the other team, right? At the same time... What is it... Like, I feel like it's a little more concerning not about the right wing. Like, if defense is going to keep playing like this, I'm starting to get a little concerned about our defense, which is usually a place that I usually feel. So they could not even be looking at Tyler Toffoli and whoever else out there. They could just be out making it look like they're out and about, right, to get True. people safe. So I don't... Last time we tried to uh, address the right side... The Rick Nash incident happened, which yes. would have been beautiful, but obviously due to injuries, injuries did happen. not work out. So it makes me a little nervous to go big or go home again on the right wing. Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, Heather, I'm the same thing because the fact is that they gave away a first round pick, and I don't know the significance of of what that first round pick is doing right now for the New York Rangers in that Rick Nash deal that happened a while ago. But do you want to chance fate again? by giving up another first round pick, possibly taking a step back in your development to address a need for a rental. Now, here's the thing. Toffoli's on his last year of his deal. He's gonna wanna get a little bit of a significant increase. If he doesn't get that, and the cap space that's lining up that the Bruins have right now, and who they have to sign, we talk about all the time, I don't see a Toffoli type player coming to the Boston Bruins. As much as I wish I did, I don't, I'm a big TFO fan. I don't think that there's anyone that... I don't know how to phrase this. I can't see who the Bruins are so willing to give up that wouldn't be cheaper or uh, long sir. If... Oh, let me, I don't know what I'm trying to say. All right, okay. so. so if Donnie and them go out to address the right wing, right? 
they're going to want something because they know they're going to have to give up something to do that. They're going to want someone they know who is going to stay and who will resign yeah. within reason. Like, hey, buddy, just so you know, that's how shit works here. Yeah. What concerns me is in order to do that with a bigger name player, like we talked about, you know, Richie is not the same level player as a Tyler Toffoli is kind of thing, you know, at least like out on the market value. What does that mean to get someone like that that we can't guarantee that will give up that's not worth it? Right. Because I don't want on the flip side, that's great, we get him, we may or may not, you know, say not just him, but just say you get that short-term rental, you try to win the cup, whatever your deal is, but what did you sacrifice when we are starting to be at the peak of this, like, perfect rebuild transition, windows open? Yep. That makes me nervous. Does that mean we send off a Jake DeBrusque and just already make the decision? Just as an example of some of these other people we have to resign, does that mean, all right, well, we're just going to take the chance that Grizzlick is going to be able to develop and play more of Krug's role and Krug, we're just not going to bother, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I started thinking, what if someone wants a rental from us? And that makes me nervous. Yeah. I know you don't usually reverse rental, but if there's someone who, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Sometimes I do. you need a defenseman and the other person needs a forward and you might flip for flop, so. Well, no, it, when you address the needs of, of another team, it's just not what we need. Yeah. There's a dance partner here. Yeah, exactly. You know, LA, LA is a struggling team right now. I don't have the thing up right now, but I'm, no, I'm guessing they're, they're the struggling. bottom of the league. They were gonna, second to us last week. Yeah, we they're going to want assets to come back, younger assets mm -hmm. to uh, fit into their scheme, not only this year, probably not even this year, but possibly in the next two or three yeah. years down the line. So obviously that first round pick is important. Will they take a second round pick? They possibly could. But that means what are you giving back? I mean, do you do you give a Seneshin? Do you give a Euro back an Einan? Do you give... Uh, uh, um, a Jeremy Lawson, do you give a Jakobs Borrell? You know what I mean? Those are the things that you see that another team needs because they're on the rebuild themselves. Yeah. And they, I think they're going to ask a lot for a, a Tyler Zapoli, in my opinion. I know Tyler's not, he doesn't seem very happy out there. I think. Oh, it's happy right now. I know, I know, but. But this is this brings me back to the whole coil thing a little bit. Is like he's not really doing much, and a lot of people say, "Why trade for him? He's not doing well." But these are the same people that say, "Go get coil, go get coil," when he was so inconsistent in Minnesota. I would like to see Toffoli because I've seen him. I don't think the money's going to work here. I think they're going to have to, you know, give up a lot and possibly uh, move somebody at the at, over the off season to accommodate for the uh, the salary cap crunch. But. Uh, I just, I don't know. It's a it's a tough one because nobody's really sat in that role next to Krejci for the longest time and had any consistency. I don't think it's that a, like a Toffoli wouldn't be good there. I just I'm more worried about, and this is even saying, say if I just right now give up my dream of Tory Krug, right? So interwoven on why this team's being successful right now. What does that mean to keeping them too? Because again, Tyler Toffoli, it's it's like when we were gonna maybe go after John Tavares. Yeah, that's great, but is that worth the cap hit? That's what you have to think. Like, yeah. is it worth the cap hit? There's a lot that's going on in. And I remember, I, right and I remember having a conversation, not verbally, but over the internet, social mm -hmm. media, with Elliot Friedman, one of my favorite people. Him yeah. and Jeff Mary do a great job. Yeah. And I asked him. 
I, you know, I said, hey, it's like, you know, if they if they do go after a player like John Tavares back then, what do you do? And he just simply came back on Thirty One Thoughts podcast and told me, if you have, if you can sit down with a player like John Tavares, you make sure you clear cap space for a type of player like that. That's what I'm saying is like, and obviously like Tavares and Toffoli are two different other, you know, like again, comparables, not the same. We've right. got the top tiers, the middle tiers and the, you know, like salary geek wise and uh, name recognition wise. Um, again, I, I just, I feel like that would be a serious, you might have to bet the farm on it situation. And uh, I'm all for if it's going to make the team better. But I also think, you know, at some point the season ends and you have to look at what you're going to how that's going to affect you unless it's a situation where they've kind of decided in their own heads how to weed out providence and are willing to give up there is a bottleneck yeah there is a bottleneck like okay so like all right well anders bjork's decided he's going to join the party like we think he should be all right check we'll keep him like you know like or whatever but there's a few that not so much but i don't know like that's what concerns me is i'm in past years it's always been about the right you know what i mean like what are we going to do about the right whatever but this year, I don't. Given how much uh, success we had last year, I'm not feeling that such a crisis point on this team anymore, because other people have come in or grown into much more solid players. Uh, so, but that at the same time freaks me out because normally around this time I can be like, okay, I know this is what they might try and do, and I know in another week it's going to be. You see the about, landscape. Yeah. Yeah. And next week they'll start talking about how we definitely should just dump Tory Crew because then that's how we can afford Tyler to full. Like this is how it works every yep. year, right? Yep. Uh, for the record, trade deadline is uh, February twenty fourth. Like, it is. Yeah. It is. So we, we do have some time, but but I mean, they might not be looking for anything too. That makes it even worse. I just don't know what they might be looking at, or like I said, maybe there might be someone who said, "Hey, I'd like you to check out this person. We'd like to trade you." Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, now I got to worry about that. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, moving on to another topic before we take our third and final break. Um, uh, Providence Bruins head coach Jay Leach uh, could be a candidate for a New Jersey head coaching job with the departure of John Hines. Um, uh, coach Leach, Providence Bruins, has um, has played for New Jersey and, and is rumored to be in one of the, the lists of the head coaching job. Uh, I believe Tom Fitzgerald is the interim coach right now. I'm not sure. I should have did my homework on this one. So. so, regardless if it happens anytime soon, um, Jay Leach is currently in his third year with the Providence Bruins. Um, this year, I believe he's having a better year of his previous two in his tenure. Um, the previous two years, has the, the, t- the team has started off at the bottom of the Atlantic Division and and by by this time actually, or maybe even later on in, in the month of December, really turned it on. Whether it's um, assets coming back from the NHL, Bruins uh, uh, returning from injuries or, or, the, or the injuries that happened with the Bruins, and, and you know the shift goes on in the minor pro system, and then, but this year it's different. Jay Leach has got this team off at, at, from the middle middle of the. Of the Atlanta Division and really now sitting in first place uh, in the Atlantic and they're, they're doing good. They're, they've got points in the last seven, undefeated in the last seven games, including last night's win against Utica. Or, uh, yes, you would, 
overtime win. So, I mean, that's a possibility that the, the Boston Bruins might might say, if you, if you would like to have that job, then go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a good candidate. I'm not saying he's the best candidate out there, but when you're looking at a, a, a head coach, it's not just one or two pl- people you're looking for. Uh, you, you, you pretty much got probably a list of 20 people around the world that are looking for work and, and you can come in and talk to. So and More in the last week in the NHL. Just yeah, no kidding. So, I mean, that that's a good possibility. I just wanted to bring it up because Jay, Jay's a really stand-up guy. I've interviewed him a couple times, um, and he's he's very nice, very just direct and, and to-the-point type of coach. Um, but uh, I have nothing but great things to say. And, and, and one thing is, is, is I'm, not, I'm not saying that he should go in and, and a lot of people that are, are close to the prop, not close to the uh, fans and so on, say they should get rid of him and so on because of the way he started. And they even complained down in Providence about the way his lineup is. Why are you putting Lauco on the, fir- on the fourth line? It's like because that's how you develop these players these yeah. days. So there's a lot of criticism on his coaching style. Like, what do you want? Bruce has half my players. I yeah. gotta put them where I can right. put them. I'm just kidding. But as as a human standpoint, and 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 thinking of of excelling and moving forward and reaching goals, if he gets if he gets the New Jersey job, good for him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean that's something that he probably wanted to do after retiring from the game, going into coaching, and ultimately being an NHL coach. So. If he gets it, 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 it's good on him and good on his resume, you know? So, I don't know. There's, I don't know how serious of a candidate he'd be, mainly because he does not have NHL coaching experience, and there are people out there that for that. But, I mean, it also depends on what the... Well, you know Babcock's not going in there. I don't know. Babcock might go in there. I feel like Babs will be the first. I just don't the first see rehire. I just don't see Ray Shero bringing in somebody like that. That's gonna. Happen. I was actually gonna say about with Cassidy earlier. Not that I think he should be Mike Babcock. That's all what I was saying. Also, I really would like everyone to start laying off Mike Babcock. Mitch Marner is fine. He has plenty of money to play for the fucking therapy. I'm not saying it wasn't a douchey <laughs> move. But what I was gonna say with Cassidy though, like, and I I don't know. And other players, coaches, players, coaches, players, coaches. That's all you have to do. He's a real players coach. Okay. What, what? You were a player and now you're a coach? Shut up. Okay. No. So sometimes, though, it makes me wonder if these players, coaches. Okay. So, like, Babs is a psycho. We get that. But no offense. You kind of know that about Mike Babcock. I don't know why all of a sudden we're shocked to find that Matt, Mike Babcock's a dick. Because yeah. we all know that. Okay. It's true. <clears throat> but sometimes maybe to make a spark... The players' coaches need a little bit more of the asshole in them. Being willing to sit someone's ass on the bench and teach them a lesson, right? Just like when you're a kid, right? You F up and then you don't get to borrow the car or you get grounded or whatever. So sometimes whether you're the shiny superstar with the highest check, and this is one thing, again, not to compare the two, but... Julian had no issue saying, I don't give a crap if you're making $6 million. You can set up stairs for three weeks if you want. It's a results-based business. Right. (laughs) So for me, sometimes, maybe instead of moving all the lines around, maybe you look at Charlie McAvoy and go, you know what? Connor, you're up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're good. And it might be ugly, but if at that point, is it going to be any uglier already? Does it matter? And it teaches everyone a, whoa. Like, oh, okay. Well, um, you know, whatever. So that, I was just thinking that about that, but. Um, Jay Leach, good for him because he's been in the organization longer than just being the, a head This is coach. his third year, yeah, and he's, he and he's been. Yep, yeah, he was yeah. the assistant coach when Cassidy was down there. Um, 
and yeah, yeah, I mean, I see him at development camp all the time, working with the kids. He's 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 tremendous in that in that area, and that's probably why he got the job is because his his um his appreciation for younger talent and and how to mold them and how to make them you know solid pros moving forward. But if he gets the job, he gets the job. I mean, that's good. Hey, it's and, perfect because New Jersey is basically an AHL team at right. at this point. The other thing is, is like I start thinking about is when I'm interviewing. Uh, coaches and players down in Providence. I'm always thinking about it's like, you know, who else? Who else could come in here and take that job? I mean, are they gonna? Would they be entertaining Trent Trent Whitfield as a as a head coach? Um, he's he's currently the uh, assistant coach on the uh, Providence Bruins bench right now. So I don't know. I mean, it's something different. Um, should be interesting regardless. But. Um, we are gonna take uh no we're not gonna take another break we're just gonna I'm just gonna do this ad read the final one with this uh this awesome company but uh this is about the the Bobby Orr Hockey Hall of Fame so located in Bobby Orr's hometown of Parry Sound Ontario the Bobby Orr Hall of Fame displays Bobby Orr's personal memorabilia and takes visitors through his story career items on display include the goal. And this locker room from the old Boston Garden. Oars fans will love the gift shop, and the Bobby Orr Hall of Fame is offering our Black and Gold Hockey Podcast listeners 10% off all online orders at bobbyorrhalloffame.com slash store by using code BNG, that's code B-N-G, at checkout. Place your order by December 3rd, which has already passed, unfortunately, to guarantee delivery for the holidays, again, that's bobbyorrhalloffame.com slash store, promo code BNG, at checkout for 10% on all online orders. Promo code does not apply to signed merchandise, unfortunately, folks. Follow them on Facebook and take advantage of the 12 Days of Christmas sale from November 22nd to December 3rd, which has already passed, I know. Each day, a featured item will discount with the store-wide savings on Black Friday, which has already passed. Follow them on Facebook. Take advantage of these exclusive deals. This is um, a great place to go if you want to uh, spice up the fan cave. Um, and this is not just for this type of season. These people do this year round. So if you want to uh, get any items, anytime, bookmark bobbyorrhalloffame.com slash store. And let them know that the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast co-host Mark Allred and Heather Ingerson sent you. So, oh, so it's Bobby Orr. Do what it's Bobby Orr, man. people tell you yeah. to do. <laughs> Alan Eagleson ripped this guy off on the regular, told him, do not take the job. Do not take ownership in the Boston Bruins when you retire. I mean, he was such a scumbag. And I got to read that book that I can't remember. There's Lawrence Eagle Tribune writer back in the... 80s that exposed yeah. him. I wish I remembered yeah. his name. We, we talked about it this yeah. too. I don't know why his name is escaping. Yeah, well, he passed away. Yeah, we so I don't. I, I, I want to get the I'm book. I'm a horrible person, people. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, that is all the topics that I have. Um, Heather, right. do we have all any right. milestones or anything uh, that we could talk well, about? Well, you know me, my brain's going to go everywhere. So That's this right. is the part where basically Mark just lets me talk about This is the part I where I pour down. another pink Whitney and make it a strong one. Everyone hold on to your horses. 
Okay, so I know you're always like Bruins related, so I have to pretend things are Bruins related. But oh. I always yell at her because she wants to go elsewhere. Well, in this the is NHL. my thing: is that you feel like like we live in a vacuum, but we don't live in a vacuum. We're one of 31 teams, and how am I, I supposed to revel in how awesome we are if I don't talk? All about right, well, listen, you got you All got 28 so minutes. Here's a Bruins. Here's a Bruins topic for you, right? So NHL awards happen, yes, every year. And right now, I would say we have two. Or at least one heart trophy candidate, perhaps, right? So I guess my question for you is at this point, I'm looking at, so uh, like on the leader list, we got Marshy's fourth with points with 44 points. I get we're only, uh, you know, a third of the way through the season. Yep. So I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, people. Uh, Past has 43 points. Marshawn's fifth with 26 assists. Pasta obviously has the most amount of goals. He's even kind of... He's like ahead of even Ovechkin at this rate. You know what I mean? And Marshawn's 16th, a 16th six with 18. Uh, and in, I'm asking you, I guess, do you think that Pasta and Marshy, if they keep at this pace, are they Hart Trophy candidates for real? Well, either the Rocket Rashad. Well, the Rocket Rashad is going to happen. Or the Hart. Whoever. Well, the Rocket Rashad you don't get nominated for. You just get to win if you have the most goals. So. Right. Right. Well, the other one but is the like heart is the for the voting team and, the and so on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I could see Marshan being a Hart Trophy candidate in the uh, the Pasternak conversation going to the uh, the, the uh, Rashad. I could see that. So my question for you though is this then, because I was thinking about this, because I absolutely think I think Brad Marshawn should have been a serious candidate by the end of last season. Do you think though that Marshawn will get seriously considered? Do you think that he has an opportunity with his history of being not a good play by That's the rules? That's a great thing, question. Do you think that he could possibly? His numbers will have to dictate that they seriously consider him as a heart candidate if he if obviously things stay at the pace they're at yeah i mean 100 point season last year um oh. it's kind of hard to argue he isn't the most valuable player on our team just just the fact is that how his road to this point has come like not being this type of offensive threat Early on, mm -hmm. but now making it happen later on in the his career. The last three seasons yeah. have been. I mean, that you put in there for consideration too. I mean, it's we we all we both understand that awards like this are on a year to year yeah, basis, yeah. but stuff like really, this yeah. builds up. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like Connor McDavid. Yeah. You look at him being the best goal scorer in the, or a point producer in the NHL now. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that consideration is got to be from his previous experience building up to. Well, we're and I think you today. look at right, you, like you look at pa like Pasta and Marshawn are on teams that have a good amount of household names on it, right? And like outside of McDavid, and it, he's got to run for his money with Drysaddle up there too, right? Sure. But like, is it easier to be the MVP of your team when you don't have a lot of other MVPs around you? So like Connor McDavid this year might have a run. Drysaddle might be the one that's making the run to be the MVP of the team. No, that's that's obviously, I mean, Connor McDavid's sick of all sick. Like, oh, I'm yeah. not, like, no way am I trying Mick to get nasty. But what I'm saying is that, like, we're on the Bruins, say, or something like that, right? Um, do your numbers actually get kind of lost in the shuffle when you're playing with, you got... Your line mate also in the running for awesomeness, you know, awesome sauce, Captain Awesome Sauce. That's where we're gonna get it. Get it? 
pasta I sauce. Do. I do. I got Sorry, it. Um, ah, knee slapper. Luck. <laughs> like you don't tell dad jokes on here. Let's pretend like you're not. But um, yeah. So I guess that was my question. Like in my head, do you do you think that, especially Marshawn, do you think that the league can will actually consider that because he's not a very uh. We love him because he's on our team, but if he wasn't on our team, we would hate the shit out of this dude because he is a jerk sometimes. I would say the last three seasons he's behaved better on the whole, and that's why he's been better. Yeah, definitely because matured. He's changed time. his um, focus, I guess. His mantra. From, yeah, so uh, so that was one of my things, okay? I believe so. I believe so. Um, well, Milestones is about general things going on, obviously, like passion acts, like trying to set records, things like that. But. And David, right. So we have to, though, recognize we are... Well, we talked a minute for Yarrow about how he's got his 500th game played. He got a win. It was a good day. And he got a shutout, so he's got one more to get to career 50. Just for the record, we know Tuka early in the year got to his 500th game. He only needs three shutouts, which is doable in a season for him. But David Krejci, 200th goal yep. of his career. Nice. So Remember... When he got hurt, and we were like, come on, man, you only need six, right? Uh, Brad Marchand keeps marching towards his uh, when Krejci, when 300 Krejci, goal mark, too. When Krejci got his uh, 200th goal, I swear to God, my friend Chris Blackie, host of the uh, uh, Big Bad Bruins podcast, had a kickstand. <laughs> Probably couldn't roll over at night for the 24 hours after that. My boy Chris loves some Krejci. Um, and, and obviously, please check out the uh, Big Bad Bruins podcast on all platforms because they do a fantastic job. Uh, also, David Krejci is staying healthy, so he's marching well to it. He just needed 50 goals when we start. I mean, games at the beginning to get to his 900th game. So he's been healthy besides that little stint he was out. So he's marching along towards that. But I just wanted to recognize him for a minute. I mean, we could go on and on about Pasnak and Marshawn and blah, 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 blah. But... I do think that um, David Krejci needs to be recognized. 200 goals. Again, the silent giant on our team, I think. Uh, Goaltender was awesome. We'll get more than milestones, but I just... I think... Oh, I got to double check. Was that... I think that was the same game, too. Yarrow got his 500th, or was it the yes, game before? Was it, it was. The same? Yeah. Same game. Um, so, anyways, I just wanted to recognize that. I also wanted to um, bring up to you, how do you think about... Uh, our goaltenders are in the top of everything, in the top ten of all the goaltending categories. Suddenly, uh, not shocked. Thing, except for wins, but obviously Tuca plays more than there. Not shocked. I mean, I mean, this. I mean, even though that they had the uh, little bad spell, even, regardless of their of their point streak and so on, they should be in heavy consideration for the Jennings Trophy. Uh, mostly working together with the and and that that trophy is based on the lowest goals against average of a team, not in the individual. So, well, they're actually and they're, the crazy thing about these two is their numbers really aren't that far off. So, like save percentage, Yarrow is sixth on like the ten that they show on the thing, with a nine thirty, and Tuca has nine twenty nine. They both have two shutouts. Tuca was fourth with goals against at two fifteen, but Yarrow was sixth with two point two two. That's that's not bad. Two goals a game for your backup goaltender. Right. Give me a break. Um, just it's kind of funny when you look at them. They're, it's like almost like they're the same person. Oh, also I wanted to bring up, I know everybody else doesn't care about plus minus and neither do I, but when it, they like showed the plus minus thing, um, 
Marjan has a plus 18 at this point. Krejci a plus 17. A bunch of people have plus 17. And who was one of those people? Zidane Chara. It's Shocker. like Zidane Chara five years ago crawled into Zidane Chara's body. And he's back in the game, baby. He's he's not retiring until Brady does. So there oh, you go. God, <laughs> don't say that. Just saying. Uh, um, there. Okay. Can I ask you a couple of my? You don't uh, have. To hang on a second. Hang on a second. We forgot to mention this a little earlier. I'm sorry, Heather. I know you're disappointed. Give me this. I'm sad, not disappointed. The puppy I just, eyes I'm ADHD. I forget. A uh, little bit of breaking about. news coming out of the Boston Bruins. Um, to remind you. <laughs> Uh, Stephen Camper, uh, the Boston Bruins have waived Stephen Camper for the purpose of placing him in the uh, Providence Bruins, the American Hockey League top minor pro affiliate, um, and so that he will stay on the waiver wire till noon tomorrow. Um, whether he stays there or not remains to be seen. Who knows? Somebody could definitely pick him up. But this is kind of a little bit of a concern because. Is this because the 23-man mandated roster that the NHL has? Is this a move to create a little more room for uh, the return of Patrice Bergeron, who was? It looks like from Cap Friendly that he is tentatively, tentatively on the IR. Sorry, IR. So uh, that that could be a cap move, could be a paper transaction to get Bergeron back in the lineup tomorrow. Um, they know they do not want to uh, put Clifton on, on the waivers because he did pass the 60, 60 go, uh, game mark, so he would need waivers to be um, sent down, and he won't stay. Yeah. Guarantee it. So a little bit of breaking news. Uh, Yanni Latz, that's all I'm going with that one. Uh, he's He broke, uh, well, not broke the news, but he wrote an article on blackandgoldhockey.com. Go check it out. I, I tweeted it out too, so... Um, that's it. Okay. So. Um, sorry about that, and sorry about breaking up the breaking news. No, no, no worries. No worries. <laughs> At least we got it in the show. So it was in the list. Okay. So uh, another random thing in my mind this week is uh, well, actually, kind of fitting. You have the All Star competition on, which I get. You hate the All Star game. I love the All Star game. I just hate this current format. Why can't it be East versus West? It's the one day where I can be happy. All the best people are on my side. Um, I just also think that creates better rivalries when you can. I like the East Coast West Coast rivalry. Yeah, you don't need to have like I'm not, I'm, shootings and shit. Like it's rap, but you don't like it that way. You don't really like the All Star game. I'm I thought it was fan, more. Fun. I mean, I, it was a, it was a it was so cool when I was a kid. I got to see Ray Bork. I got to see Neely. I got to see Joe Juno. You know what I mean? That's what I mean. But that's part of the fun, right? Like me, for me, I love Joe me, Juno. And then I'm not a kid anymore. And it's just it is it's so glorified. I used to love the sh the, uh, the the competition that we're watching right here. Yeah, and that was. We fun. we always have the YouTube on in the studios. We're watching some kind of hockey to keep it all related. But I, I don't know. I, I it is good. It has it has some. You know, rewards to it for the league. It shows off your higher talent and blah, blah, blah. But but I think it showed off the talent better when they did, like, the All-Stars. And I do believe yeah. that. I do believe an All-Star game and all sports are for the fans. So it doesn't matter who the hell they elect. You just you want to get me back on. It up. So we, we don't have to get on that trip. But what I'm saying is that I just feel like if the fans, I don't care really how you feel about NHL because the fans are the ones that are going to buy you $300 tickets and they're going to sure. be there. And if the fan thinks like who you deem is like the third most important, you know, like whatever. If the, you want to elect your John Scott, baby, they get to. Okay, that's just what I'm saying. But anyways, all-star voting, not a, I don't like the format. I think it should just be East versus West. But if you do like it and you like to try and control these things, it is... The um, division captains' votes are happening right now. I did because I'm a geek. 
Want to know who I voted for? Who? Well, I voted for David Pasternak because I love Pasty. He'll be like, thanks, guys. And he'll be like, this is the greatest honor. It's happened, you know? If you want to get me back on the All-Star break, I would love to see the All-Stars of the NHL yeah. play the All-Stars of the KHL. Put the two best league right. Put the two best leagues in the world together for one day and do that. I'll take that over the skills. And almost, almost do it like baseball. I I believe baseball still does this. If you win the All Star game, you have like the the well, not the same, not the same per se. But if you win, then next year it's in your country, and if we win, it's over here, which it'll be over here all the time. But anyway. That's true. We have all your players, guys. Right. I'm just kidding. Um, but so I voted for Pasta, and then for Metro I voted Henrik Lundqvist because I just love Henrik Lundqvist, and he's never going to get a Stanley Cup, so he at least should be able to be the <laughs> captain of his division. Uh, I voted for Matthew Kachuk for the Pacific because I like the way he's he's a chirper. He runs his mouth. I like him. Also, Big Walt. Also, he's a legacy, so I like that. Big Walt. I like it. And uh, then I couldn't remember who I picked for the Central, but then I remembered it was Miko Randon, because I do love him. Miko's good. I, I think he's still him. on the shelf, though. I know, I but no, he didn't he just come back? I thought. Oh, I, I didn't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Either way, he was on the list. They only let you show. I like when you just get to vote for anybody that you feel like, because whatever. But Okay, so... Here's a random NHL question again. This isn't for discussion. We're not getting heavy. Everyone has hammered the sh- out of this the last couple of weeks. Sorry about the mouth. But is there a difference between... I, this is just like a sentence answer. I'm not asking. We don't have to really get into it. But is there a difference between a, a coach like Mike Babcock, who's kind of just generally a douche and hates everyone and is mean to everyone equally, and... A racist douchebag like Bill Peters. Is there a difference? Oh, like, going here. We're not. We're not. Like I said, we don't oh. need to discuss it. You mean you could all day long talk about like coaching? No, I, and, like, I've culture. heard it on podcasts for the last. Yeah, that's two why weeks. I'm asking. Just as a general thing, do you feel that everything is getting lumped together instead of looking at two very separate issues on treatments? And I mean, yes, they are all part of the same thing. Yeah. But do you feel like the? Do you feel like those are two totally different kind of douchebaggeries? Yeah, yeah, there is there is the uh, air quote workplace relations when you go and kick a player. Mm-hmm. I get it. Or when you take Mitch Marner and you have him write a list and then you tell him to read that list that you critiqued your players on to the whole team and said, "Hey, look at this," you know, you know. I'm Mike Babcock, and you got to show this to your to your team. Yeah, you know, you know? when he did that, he's like, you sucker millennial. You didn't yeah. Google who I was yeah. when you became my player. So. But then there's another line that's crossed when you when you come into uh, racial stuff, and I think is absolutely ridiculous. There's no place in, in this for it. At all. Um, and, I, and I believe the league and both teams, teams are doing their, their due diligence. And, and even though Bill Peters, it didn't happen in Calgary... It happened a long time ago in the Rockford Ice Hogs. Mm-hmm. I like the way they all acted. It says this is something that should have been brought up in your, in your, um, in your interview to be the head coach here. But then again, was it asked? You know what I mean? Or was it said, "Hey, do did do you believe in any of this? Or did you partake in any of this?" And if he said yes, then we wouldn't have hired him. But the thing is, like, why would that come up in normal conversation? I'm just saying, say if there was no, um, 
Okay, like, first of all, Mike Babcock, everybody knows he can be a dick, right? Oh, but Terrible. And no, I don't think that his, this bullshit of, like, his coaching numbers are directly related to he has good play. That's bullshit. Like, so then you could say that about anybody who's ever had a good team. But anyways, I do think it's both should be addressed, obviously. It's all sucky. Yep. But I do think there's a different level of, like, kind of... I wouldn't even, it is hazing technically what he did tomorrow. Sure. It was a jerky thing. But at the same time, Mitch Marner's even been like, Okay, I'm I'm good. Like I came out on ski whether he's just saying that to like keep the peace or not, like I think there's a different level of a hatred for a coach who like does that as opposed to like, I don't know, literally yep. is a racist scumbag. Oh, and uh, for the record, can I just say, I also want to kick Sean Avery all the time, but that doesn't mean I think it's okay. Yeah, uh, That was just a general. I just wanted to like that. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, can I ask you another general NHL question? Sure, you got 10 minutes. Do you think that the league is in denial that Tampa Bay and Toronto may not make it to the playoffs this year. I don't care. I feel like I'd rather I listen not see to him. No, no. No, no. But what I'm saying to you is someone who listens to like, you know, you listen to the sports nets and you listen to yep. all these different yep. Do you feel like the people who are I know you want us to only talk about the Bruins, but the people who talk about all the league like as those kind of shows, do you feel like maybe the denials kind of setting in of like like there are teams that are playing exceptionally well, and even if they're playing well compared to people around them, they're in the playoff race, yet no one's like, hey, man, look at these Florida Panthers or whatever. Yet it's like, no, it'll be all right in Toronto. It'll be, it was all right in Toronto for like three nights. And now we're back to what we did, where we're back to. Like right. I said, you guys are a shit show. You'll figure it out. I don't know what it's going to be this year. And that kind of kills our problem. We don't have to see them in, in Toronto in the first round. But I feel like they're in denial. Like, holy crap. Tampa Bay, like, oh, they gotta get better. They're like twenty second in the league at this point. Listen, I am all for the Bruins parting the seas, like they did last season mm. in the playoffs, and getting these teams out of there as soon as possible. That's fine with me. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to. I, I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to say in early December right now to say that Tampa Bay might not be in it in April. I'm not saying they are, but if we're going to use the measure of American Thanksgiving, quote-unquote, is then they're in or out. They're out. Looking like some people that people really, really want, want to be in. I'm not saying they won't. Like, who? Like, again, St. Louis wins the Stanley Cup. I know. It's like, good. They were the one freakish team ever in the last 30 years that have been out of the playoff picture and then won the Cup, okay? Uh, but I just feel like maybe there's a league denial, like, rest of the league. Maybe you need to be on board with, like, the Toronto Maple Leafs might not only not win the Stanley Cup, but they might not even make the playoffs. And then you'll be going, oh, man, they shouldn't have fired Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock has won Stanley Cups. Keith has not. No, I'm just kidding. You don't want to not make the playoffs at this point, Keith. Uh, anyway, so that was one thing. I forgot about the camp thing. Um... I would like to say that, I don't know if you can do this off the top of your head, but there are some terms that I would like to not ever hear in hockey again next year. You know, like certain words they vote off the island in like the dictionary or whatever. Um, can I say, I really need to vote off the word analytics. We can call it the numbers and the eyeballs. We can call it whatever we want. But I'm stopping... I can't listen to about. I can't hear the word analytics anymore. Any like, <laughs> they can, you can say crunch the numbers. You could use the actual names. Please stop saying the word analytics. Use pie analytics, squared. analytics. Analytics. <laughs> analytics. I don't know what the other one was. Oh, you know what my other one is? Mount Rushmore. 
Look, there's only oh. one Mount Rushmore. How many Mount? Oh my God, this is how you fill time. Mount Rushmore this, Mount Rushmore that. I, at first I was like, oh, Mount Rushmore's are kind of cool. Now I'm like, oh my Mount Rushmore's gonna work. Stop. I have no, no idea where you're going with this. I'm just saying, those are two terms in hockey, on in hockey podcast. Oh, you're just like setting a bar? Word. Yeah, like I would like oh. to go away. I don't want to hear next year. So everybody get your stupid analytics term. Find a different word for analytics. I'm sick of hearing it. Analytics, analytics. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Not to go back to the coaching thing, but do you think Ron Francis is it? Oh, gonna could, be there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't if, know. Okay. With, with this whole thing that went on in Carolina. Okay. How about if it? Okay. So say it finishes because obviously the investigation isn't done. The league has it now. Like right. Calgary's done their thing. The Peters thing's done. If it comes out that Ron Francis Francis indeed did go to management and say, "Hey, I've had this incident reported to me," and the people above him did nothing about it, I think he's safe. If it comes out that he really didn't report it to management or it wasn't reported as a... So, like, if he reported and it was basically ignored, I mean, you can't... You only can go up so high in the food chain. You only have so much power, right? True that. And no one in their professional mind is going to quit over that. No. Right. No. So Maybe I, he could have resigned. I say, yeah, I, I know, but at the same time... It's a new world now. Like, people have to put no. things in perspective. Like, do you know what but I mean? But you can't forget about, the past. Right. It's not about forgetting the past. It's about what he's done since has he ensured that kind of... Sh like, once he did have more power to control what was happening, say, in Carolina, did he use his power to curb that kind of crap? You know what right. I mean? Uh, I think if he reported it and it turns out it was the people above him that decided to brush it off and do nothing. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know that guy's name anymore. The uh, owner of the... Yeah, the, the new old, owner. Yeah, because the there's the new owner. Because yeah. this happened when the old owner still had the team, right? right? So, right. Uh, I just which think I heard reports I, that be that sad. was denied that he never said anything. But of course, he's going to say something like that, possibly. Yeah, and that's my thing is that the NHL will find out because there will be lawyers involved in like actual like depositions taken over something like this. Obviously, uh, some of these things are actual crimes that have been alleged, you know, on yep. many levels. Uh, do you think anything will change? I don't know. I hope so. I hope the league does it right. I think um, I, I can't say this guy's name, and I'm sorry, Akeem. Oh yeah, Akeem Habib. I've heard his name three hundred. Uh, Halib or something like that. Yeah. Um, know, he's been working with the NHL, and you know you're gonna use this as a stepping stool to move forward um, with racial slurs and blah blah blah. So uh, hopefully it you know it, it happens. Can I quickly? This is kind of, this goes back to like the lumping all of it into the same thing. Because a lot of with like now everyone's like on top of Babcock is because this guy and his, and I, I'm not, he has, you know, voice to say. But kind of made a comment about like, he kind of lumped the two together into one lump. And do you feel like since then the hockey press world has been, instead of looking at them as individual incidents or, or uh, people to look into incidences around them, yep. right? Um, do you think that's unfair? Like, do you feel like people should be in trouble for their own shit and not have to be lumped in with someone else who may or may not, uh, not saying uh, one's better or the other, they're both jerks, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, I, I do, I do go after the guy that did it, but also, I mean, there were other people in the room that might have saw it and didn't say anything and didn't report it, so would they be... Uh, a little at fault. So what I'm not, saying though is, should we go by player tweets versus actual uh, investigation? No, see, yeah, Do you see, know what I mean? Like, let they should. 
they should go through the league first. Mm-hmm. But that that could also be a cover up too for the league not to expose anything out to the public, which is probably the reason why players do this. Or, but like we were saying though about like with Marshawn, right? Like he was obviously angry in the moment he sends this tweet, yep. and whether he was told to tweet and calm down, or he yeah. probably did calm he did down apologize. a little bit, and he came back and apologized, right? Like, is it dangerous when we don't take the breath to like say for I'm not putting it on this play, but we'll just use him obviously because he's been kind of the center of a lot of this to come back maybe once everything's kind of be lumped because I think that also takes away from his specific like, the incident that happened with him. You know what I mean, like. Do you think, like, maybe him saying, let's just w- w- see what else comes out in the investigations versus, like, this and that? You know, like, because you don't want to say anything in anger as your perception that might be proven that you're, like, you could be sued for, like, trashing someone's character right. either. Like, right. I don't think everyone needs to be careful. The league needs to protect itself, not from bad press, because I think own up to it and fix it. Like, that's how you show you're changing, but... I also think there's been a lot of players, and we live in a world where people can tweet off whatever they want to. Like, no, that's true. I had a lot of people actually keyboard ask, cowards. That's I had, what I call them. I had someone ask me who yeah. the Commodore keyboard was. Keyboard so coward. Like, um, I hope you're listening. So, anyways, uh, that's just my random thing. Look, I filled it up. You got two minutes. Go, Patreon. All right, on. our Patreon, Patreon winner this week is uh, a new Patreon who's been with us for seven weeks now. Is Joel Marshall? Congratulations, Joel! Yay! Thank you very much for your contribution every week, every episode. We truly appreciate that. I will be in touch with you sooner or later to get those shirts out. And by the way, for the folks that haven't received their shirts yet, <clears throat> I'm still trying to get in touch with a couple of people. They are coming. It's just tough around the holidays to get everything done. I'm, I'm I got things going a thousand miles a minute, so I will be in touch sooner or later with the folks that have one previously so um i will definitely let you know thank you very much to all the patreon members please go to patreon <coughs> please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just a dollar per episode we do about four or five possibly six episodes per month um and it, it really helps us cut the costs of uh, operating the podcast and the uh black and gold hockey.com website so we want to thank everybody that does that. Those guys are the, our ultimate, ultimate fans. But we also want to thank all the listeners that uh, that listen on a weekly basis. We get about a thousand, thousand listens every week, and we truly appreciate that. So before I start hacking, thank you very much, everybody, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.